You are now listening to the Yeshiva League Pass Tip-Off. <laughs> Ari, welcome back. I, I feel like I haven't seen you in a in a very long time. A very it's been a just, while. It's been a, a while. An extremely, extremely long period of time. Uh, we had we had the great Ryan Terrell on two weeks ago, and uh, you know it was we felt like we couldn't come back after that. But I don't know today. Today might be another another instance of that. It's oh, possible. T- today today today's episode is going to be it's going to be one for the books. I mean, if anyone's going to follow up flying Ryan Terrell, it's Coach Pick. There's no question about that. <laughs> no doubt about it. All right, so we're going to get him in here. But first, uh, we have a new sponsor. We have a new sponsor, and this is a big one because Ari, I didn't even know I didn't even know this thing uh, existed. But um, Oh, this is big. The sponsor. This is the wave of the future. Check this out. Uh, this is it's called Trio, and uh, you could notice in their logo there's a little tuff hidden in there. You see that? You see that? It's cute what they oh, did yeah, there. I do. Basically, I, I what this is, you gotta you gotta look this up. Um, and their website is Trio T R I O dot Academy. And basically, what it is, it's a program. It's a college program. You do almost everything online. And I don't want to I don't want to say any wrong information, but essentially, it allows you to finish college and like a year and a half at an extremely low cost. So um, it's low cost. You get a great degree and you really set yourself up for the future. I mean, it's, it's the wave of the future. Basically. It, it really is. Uh, you know, the, uh, the founder of Yeshiva league pass was telling me all about this before. And I was, uh, I was kind of blown away. I, I can't believe this is a thing. Well, look, you always wanted a degree. So why don't you go yeah. back and get one? <laughs> I got two. All right. I got two. <laughs> oh, all right. So, uh, so listen, uh, check it out. Trio.academy. And here's the kicker. For all of our listeners, if you mention the podcast or Yeshiva League Pass or any combination thereof, you get $250 off tuition. Now, you may say $250 off tuition. What's that? Well, tuition's only $7,500 uh, to start. It's uh, it's pretty nuts. Pretty nuts. So, yeah, yeah. mention that. College degree, it's the way to go. Trio.academy, yeah, it is. That's what it is. Uh, we also have this other sponsor called the Lions Den. Uh, I think you could tell us a little something, something about that. Yeah. Lions Den is a program for. Uh, for adults, children, if you're looking to train, get yourself in better shape uh, physically, mentally. The Lions Den is a whole full program for children, for basketball, working out, and uh, really, you know, making yourself uh, a better person. That's the uh, Lions Den. Make yourself a better person. Wow. Who's doing your marketing nowadays? Why not? And uh, then we got the Ballers Basketball Academy, which um, basically, if you hadn't have enough of uh, sending your kids away to Ari uh, during the Lions Den, well, uh, at the end of the summer this summer, Late August, oh. after camp, there is a four-week extravaganza. What are the dates? All right, well, what are the dates? I, I forget. Well, it's not. It's not four weeks. It's four days. four days. We're not. I we're not taking four weeks. Four, I don't know. What four days. August twenty-third through twenty-sixth at Hafter. You're going to have a basketball um, program for, for going into first through eighth grade. It's going to be an unbelievable program. You're going to have NBA players, Hall of Fame coaches, um, non-Hall of Fame coaches. Everyone's like there to help work with you. To uh, train you and get you get you ready for the upcoming seasons, and uh, just to uh, really advance your game. Ballers Basketball Academy, August twenty third to the twenty sixth. Now uh, we're gonna we're gonna have you stop talking because your internet connection is just absolutely awful today, and um, we're going to introduce uh, our guest. And this is this is a real honor because the the weird thing is I don't know that we've ever had a, like heard him speak without just absolutely obliterating uh, his players at a very high volume. So I don't know how this is gonna go. I don't know if the uh, I don't know if the connection is going to hold up, but uh, Coach Pickman, welcome to the show. It is uh, it is an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, certainly worth the wait to get your video working. <laughs> Guys, it is my pleasure to be here. Really, 
Thank you, Coach. And this this it's an honor because when we when we came up with the show, there were certain uh, celebrities and people that we wanted to hit, and they all said no. So we called you, Coach, and you were there for us. So, no, no, no. You you were <laughs> you were one at the at the forefront. And we forgot to mention the uh, the coach of uh, Heschel Academy in uh, Manhattan, the uh, varsity coach. Uh, a, I, I know it's a one-time Yeshiva League champion. Has there been any other championships besides the uh, one at Heschel? In seven years, we've won one championship. We lost in the championship game one other time by two to Frisch. Uh, we've lost in the semis three times. Uh, so uh, I'm pretty proud of the record in the seven years. And uh, But, uh, yeah, you did have to – only one championship. I'm sorry, guys. No, no, that's okay, Coach. Coach, championships, are, they're not easy to come by. And also, you also did make a championship 53 years ago by you know marrying your lovely wife who, hail, who helped you put the video together and brought this, uh, this episode as courtesy of Mrs. Pickman. So th thank you to her for, for making that we, happen. We just celebrated our 53rd two weeks ago. And uh, yeah, like, like uh, God knows how many times I wouldn't be on with you tonight if it wasn't for her. <laughs> Are you even 53 years old? Is that even possible? I don't know if the math works out there. Well, I got married when I was 11. <laughs> yeah, that, that seems about right. Well, you, look good. you have much more hair than I do, and you're uh, a little older, so you, you're doing something right. So let's. Yeah, but, but I did take my glasses off for this because, you know, I want to look good. But uh, honestly, I can't see a thing, so I'm going to put it believe back me. on. Believe me, you don't Coach, we're nothing to look at. I promise you, you there that. Is, Trust there me. There's nothing to see there. Trust me. Right. Let, let's let's get into your story, Coach, because we're going to get up to, uh, you know, your, your Heschel days and all that and everything. But, you know, you've had an illustrious career. And, and I believe in, in our research, our, uh, our uh, PR department that works for us, me, has uh, found out that you used to be involved in the NBA. You started, I don't know if you started, but you, you were heavily involved in scouting. So what teams did you work with? And, you know, how did you, you work your way up to uh, your dream job, job at Heschel? You have three days? Yeah. Oh, well, we right. have until... Yeah. Go ahead. We're here. <laughs> All right. Um, I graduated Brooklyn College in 1968, where I played for four years. I, I was the captain. Uh, I think I averaged three and a half points a game on my, for, for four years. Uh, well, and three pointers. It might have been yeah. like four, four and a half, you know. <laughs> That's right. right. Uh, <laughs> and for some reason, the varsity coach then asked me to stay on and coach the freshman team uh, and to help him with the varsity. So I went right out of, at, at the age of 22, I had just gotten married to this wonderful woman. And I started out coaching the Brooklyn freshman team. Uh, and we scrimmaged a school called Staten Island Community College, where I knew the gentleman, Iris Sweet, very great guy, passed away uh, last year. Uh, and for some reason, after two years of scrimmaging him, he asked me to come over and replace him uh, after two years as the freshman coach. And here I was, a head college coach at the age of 24, Staten Island Community College. I was uh, the school. We, I coached there for six years as well, one year as his assistant the first year, and then six years as the head coach. Uh, I knew a lot of people in Brooklyn. I knew a lot of people all over the city. Uh, I used to play in tournaments all over when I was in college. And I recruited pretty well. We were pretty successful. Uh, and then the school merged with a school called Richmond College, and they became the College of Staten Island. Ah. And we became a CUNY school, Division Three. And I was a little disappointed. I had hopes of becoming the next uh, Duke coach, 
I was always looking to move on with my junior college program was successful. I thought I was a great coach. I had no idea what I was doing, except I recruited very, very well. So wait, coach, would you would you say the major, major part of college basketball, like what would you say between your coaching and recruiting? What's the, you know, how does, how does the, you know, what's more important? You know, that's a great question. Both. You bet, you know, you, you, you know, um, you better recruit. You got to get players. Uh, but you got to be a coach. Uh, and especially today, back in my day, I wasn't joking when I said I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I just had the guys, you know, play hard, play defense, and I recruited well. So we won a lot of games. But uh, truthfully, I laugh now at how I coached Heschel and what I did back then in the 70s and was successful. But that's because I recruited well. Um, well, something tells me you always had that fire. You, that fire of Coach Pickman was probably always there from what, no matter what age. Well, the interesting thing is I never really thought about coaching basketball until my varsity coach asked me to do it. I wanted to be a physical education teacher. I wanted to teach at my alma mater, which was around the corner for where, from where I lived when I got married in Brooklyn in Sheepshead Bay, Sheepshead Bay High School. They offered me a position there. I was a student teacher. And when he asked me, you know, would you coach the freshman team? I honestly wasn't one of those guys that said, you know, I love basketball. I played every day, but I wasn't one of those guys that said, someday I want to be a coach. I'm going to do everything I can to be a coach. I, does, I does fell coach, into it. Does, does I, any player really dream of being a coach? Like, I think it's something that just comes after the fact. You know, I don't you know. know if great question. I'm not so sure players do. Non-players do. Right. You know, managers, <laughs> sports information directors, you know, all, you know, the hang those guys, you know, stay involved and they want to become coaches. Players think they're going to play until they die. I mean, you right. know, and when you take the game away from them as a player, you know, they really like some of them struggle, but I but I will say this, from the first day I stepped on the court at Brooklyn College with players, you know, that were like 4 years younger than me. I was 22 years old. From that day, I got the bug. I just loved it. And when we became a four-year college at Staten Island, we were, again, successful. Uh, I recruited well. We won four CUNY championships in six years. And in 1984, um, you guys might know I'm, I can be a little controversial at times. And I, I had a, a, a little bit of a political run-in at the college, and I stepped down. I was a tenured professor. I had gone and gotten my PhD in sports psychology in that all in that time at the University of Utah. So I had tenure. I was a professor. And a good friend of mine who I met out in Utah, his name is Barry Hecker, had just gotten the job as the player personnel director with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he said to me, pick, help me out in your area, looking at college players and scouting. Wow. He left, he left Cleveland two years later to work for the L.A. Clippers. He brought me along, and that gig lasted 24 years. Wow. So, you, so was, what was your, your title? You were a director of – I was their Eastern College slash NBA scout. 90% of my job – was going to college games all along the East Coast, uh, mostly metropolitan area, Boston, Philadelphia, New York, Syracuse, 
and writing reports on players that they thought they might um, select in the draft. I would write the report. I would go out to training camp. Uh, and it, I, it, it's, it's something I look back on now that I needed at the time because I didn't have a team to coach. Uh, I then also hooked up at that time with the five-star basketball camp, which at that time was... Was that Howard Garfunkel? Howard Howard was one of my closest friends. F for, uh, um, to this day, I miss him greatly. He used to come to my games at Staten Island. Not come to my games at Staten Island. He would meet me on the recruiting trail in New York City at the high school games. I'm recruiting players to come to Staten Island. And he would say to me, pick, you got to work my camp. Pick, you got to work my camp. And I was going away to sleepaway camps eight weeks I, as the head head counselor. Weren't you a little yes. old to go to camp? Oh, oh, you mean that you were oh, working? No, okay. I, I yeah. went because uh, says, I took my says two the guy daughters. On his way to camp this summer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I took my two daughters. I would I would basically take my basketball team to camp, uh, and you know, but I was still at that time playing. I love the, the the thing then was I really didn't know what I was doing as a coach, but I I worked my players hard. We worked on defense. But I got them to like me somewhat, even though I was pretty rough. Well, I don't. Is, is the word is the word like or fear? Well, I'd like or to one think becomes the same. <laughs> but when but when you're on the courts after the season and you're playing choose up, you know, and I'm taking a jump shot and hitting it, and I really became a decent player after I left Brooklyn College and I started coaching. I started to sort of learn how to play <laughs> by coaching because before that all I ever did was play 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 I never really knew about work on your game right I didn't know about that they, they, my coaches didn't do that at Sheepshead Bay at Brooklyn College it, you know I played a lot but did I go out and really work on my handle work on my jump shot you know work on the things I needed to do no but here right. I become a coach I'm taking my players to camp with me for 14 years. I'm playing with them. And then on a free hour, I'm taking some of them over to a court and I'm working with them. Right. Saying, that, gee, that's gee, actually interesting because, Coach, we talk about nowadays, and you, you've been, you're a lifer, right? You're a lifer in the game. So players now, and you've seen it from recruiting back in the day and also the camps that you were involved in, the player now works on their game twenty, you know, twelve months a year, twenty four hours a day. It's it's a different animal. Like, with, it wasn't without, like that back then. Without a doubt, you know, the, I I I was the director of the basketball program. Besides working the five star camp, which was one week gigs for, for from nineteen eighty one to nineteen ninety, I was the director of the Kutcher Sports Academy basketball program. Five hundred kids a week. Oh my okay? god! Uh, 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 and you know, they weren't, they were typical camp kids, no, no superstars, you know, or, or anybody like that. And the game, they used to have the Maurice Stokes game, the famous summer game at the camp at the, at first it was at the hotel, then at the camp, right? The players back then we're talking late seventies, all throughout the eighties. The first time they touched the basketball after their season ended in the NBA was at that game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they, Which is they unheard of now. They, unheard of. They were all smoking. They 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 were going out behind. It wasn't behind legal the back court. then, like it is now. No, they were going behind the court and they were lighting up. And I won't even give you the names of some guys. The most famous players you can imagine 
They didn't do anything out of season. Nothing. They so would you would you would you say based on that, just the, the caliber of player these days is is better just because of the physicality and, and the athleticism? Without a doubt. You know, everybody says today's guys they're more athletic. Baloney. They're more this. They're more. Uh. Uh-uh. No. No. Eleven months serious. These guys are working on their game. But wait a second. But it's starting with most of these guys in the seventh grade, sixth grade, not. You know, uh, where they're going, you know, it, you know, kids used to just go to a camp for a week and they play. They didn't, you know, they didn't but to really work on your game, uh, to work on skills, to push yourself, to do get better at things. Today, it's 11 months. And I will say this, and I'm joking about that. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, there are many guys out there that can coach me under the table in a game, decision making, things like that. Uh, after timeout, plays that you call, things of that nature. But as far as running a program, getting, you know, I have, you know, at Heschel, all right, I'm working with the seventh and eighth graders throughout the summer. I'm working with the ninth graders. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm proud to say I don't just coach a team. I run a program. And it's the work and to motivate these kids really to to really work on their own, not to just go out there and shoot around, but to show them how to work, to show them what to do, what an hour and 20 minute workout looks like to get better. Right. To do it four or five times a week. That's my strength. It's my strength now. It wasn't my strength back in the day when I just, you know, right. Good players. How many kids are in a grade at Heschel? We're pretty. We're one of the smallest schools in in the league. We we have uh, sixty five kids in a grade. That's what oh, I thought. Wow. So I mean, so the fact that you've had as much success as you had that you you outlined earlier. I mean, that's a that's a feat. You know, Frisch has two hundred kids in a grade. Uh, we uh, two years ago, uh, usually I have twelve guys on my team. Uh, there's only like thirty five. Um, 35 boys in each grade. 30, 35 boys. Wow, I didn't I didn't realize that. That that's, yeah, that's amazing. We're, so we're to have a. To have a run like that, I mean, like you said, in the seven years, and, and Jay and I firsthand know from, you know, calling the half their games and seeing it at the Saturn tournament and just being, you know, Yeshiva League junkies. I mean, Heschel is is the premium, pro, one of the premium programs there is right now. That's a testament to you. But tell us about, so your work, I didn't even know this, you're working with the kids in seventh grade. So how does that how does that help when you get when they get to you and and i know a lot of some of your better players play varsity in 10th grade so do you feel like that's a that's a bonus you already know them a well or is that they're already a little scared of you to begin with uh both um <laughs> you know uh when, when i'm working with these kids three or four kids in the gym in, in july uh two kids 10 kids uh i'm a bit different than what you see on the sideline okay i'm working them don't get me wrong I'm working them. I'm correcting them. I'm critiquing them, but I'm also kissing them. All right. And I'm letting them, I'm letting them really find out who I am. Okay. I want my players to know. Right. You're not changing. You're not changing who you are and how you no, coach. No, 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 no. Uh, I want them to know. Uh, it's funny. Funny you say that. Some of my players talk about uh, how afraid of me they were in the ninth grade. When I would come in, like, you know, coach, coach, we're afraid of you when we announce the games, and we don't even play for you. We're just, we're a little scared. Yeah, and then when they're seniors, you know, and they, you know, and they slap me around, you know, and and they they know that that 
who I am and that, uh, you know, that I love them and they love me and where I'm coming from, uh, it, uh, it's hard work. Don't get me, you know, to have their respect, but to also have their love is hard work. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know of any practice I ever have where I don't sit around with my guys for at least a half hour after practice, at least a half hour, just sitting and throwing, you know, and talking about different things. And, and, and they all, the funny thing is they all know about my background a little bit. You know, and they want, you know, they, they're asking me all kinds of questions about like, you know, did you, did you, did you coach Michael Jordan at five star? Did you, you know, who did you work out with the Clippers? You know, we get into that stuff. But I want them to know, you know, that I'm more than just their basketball coach. Right. I'm a human so, being that, that cares about them. So you're more, you're more, it's it's probably from hearing you speak, it's more about teaching, right? Than coaching. That, that's that's what you're doing. You're teaching them. And it's also probably life lessons about, you know, growing up in this world, especially nowadays and all that you've seen, the teaching aspect. And that's probably from you being the professor and, you know, really starting an education that's uh, really comes to the forefront. A, 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 a coach is a teacher and we know there are good teachers and there are other teachers that aren't as good. Uh, we know nice there's others and others that aren't as good. I am a teacher. All right. I, uh, I teach, uh, and, and one of my critiques, you know, I, I watch all of these guys. Now I live up in Manhattan. I go into central park, the courts, and there's all these kids whose parents are paying like $200 an hour for a one-on-one -on -one lesson with some guy who played in college. And these guys are like, you know, they're really like working them, you know, at the end of an hour and 20 minutes, these kids are exhausted, but there's no learning going on. You know, there's no, there's no teaching. It's a workout, just a workout, doing, not a basketball. Exactly, thank you. You can go out. Yeah. They, it's a fitness center workout. The kid is sweating a lot. He tells his mother, you know, I really had a good time. The kid is making a thousand mistakes on every move that he makes. Uh, doing all, the coach never critiques him, never tells him when he does it right, just gives it to him and tells him, all right, give me 10 of those in a row. Um, when I put a kid through my, my workouts, I'm a, I, I want to teach them how to get better. Right. Let, let me ask you a question. I, I want to motivate them that they can go and do the exact same workout without me being there. Right. That's my but, strength. Well, absolutely. And we've seen, like I said, we've seen it firsthand. Well, back to the NBA part. So you had mentioned the Clippers. So I know that you um you you scouted Sebastian Telfair from the uh, from Coney Island and, and he was and I became I became very close to Sebastian. Oh really? Yeah. So oh yeah. He, well, he, I spoke at his high school dinner when they uh, his coach Bobby Hartstein had me be the speaker when uh, when they won the city championship. Uh, Marbury as well. Uh, you know, I'm a Brooklyn boy, born and raised in Brooklyn, and uh, uh, Bobby Hartstein was the coach there. And uh, besides scouting for the Clippers. Uh, I became, those are a couple that I would go and watch them and then uh, become friends with them. Wow. So that's, I mean, is, would he be, who, who is the, in scouting, who was the greatest player you've ever scouted? It doesn't mean he was the best NBA player, but the player that you saw had the most potential that you thought was going to be off the charts and, you know, hands down. It, you know, I, it, 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 I say this now, in those 24 years that I was with the Clippers, two with Cleveland, and with, you know, um, I am a teacher and a coach. When I got involved, I needed it because I had given up coaching at the college. So I need, you know, basketball. So, and, I, and it was great. There isn't 
anybody, and, and don't take this wrong, guys, you two guys could be as good a scout at a, the games I would go to, Syracuse, St. John's, Georgetown, Duke, whatever game I would go to, best seat in the house, believe me, you can pick out, all right, which guy has a chance in the NBA, which guy doesn't, what really their strengths are. It, it really is not that hard, okay? It really is not that hard. And at the beginning, I loved it. And as I did it more and more, I started to really miss coaching. And thank God for the five-star camp that I would go for three or four sessions in the 90s and the 2000s before I became the coach at Eschel. My first gig back coaching was at Heschel. And I would go uh, in, in those years and I would really start to miss coaching. I would do quite a bit of teaching at the camp. I'd have a station with 40 kids, two baskets, and I would drill them and I would teach. So in the summer, I, you know, but I didn't have my own team. I did not have my own team. And in 2010, um, things changed with the Clippers. Yeah, the funny thing, you asked me about names of players. Uh, if my father knew that Elgin Baylor was a close friend of mine and my tennis partner for 24 years, my father would wow. be rolling over in his grave. Okay. <laughs> with that excitement, I assume. He signed my checks. And here's the thing. I mean, I really got along with the guys. All right. Uh, we were bad because of a lot of things, but mainly because of our owner. I mean, and, you know, and Donald Elgin Sterling. Would, Elgin would not, you know, buckle under to Sterling. Sterling was not a good human being. And Elgin needed the job. It's funny. One of the you know, greatest players. He needed the 250, 300,000 he was making to live the lifestyle that he had. And so he, if Sterling said, no, I'm not going to pay that guy a new contract, they were gone. And everybody thought it was Baylor who really was a bad GM. One year he was general manager of the year, but he was a good person. And for some reason, uh, maybe it was my forehand in tennis uh, and we became good doubles partners at some of these tournaments that we went to. But like, that was something that, like, was really meaningful to me, much more so. Uh, I mean, I worked out. I, be, you know, I started to learn how to work players out. And I worked out Sebastian. I worked out Stefan. I worked out Lamar, mostly, like, the New York guys who knew me. I worked out uh, uh, Lamar Odom. I worked out Corey Maggetti. Uh, they would ask me, Pick, can you stick around and, you know, for an hour and work me out? I need to. I need some work on my pull-up. You're just like one hour. I'd be here twenty-four hours. You were ready well, to go. No, that was after a two-hour practice. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so and and I learned. And here's the, the interesting thing. You know, you guys think I'm kidding when I say I didn't know what I was doing. I'm forty years old. I'm scouting in the NBA. I had fourteen years of coaching college, pretty successful. I go to the five-star camp. All right. And most of the coaches there are high school coaches from across America. Okay. Uh, a lot of guys got their starts there. And I go there and I'm listening to these guys give lectures after lunch. And I'm walking over to their court when I'm off, watching them put their team through drills and stuff. And in those 24 years, I learned how much I didn't know. I, I honestly, I learned how much I did not know. I said, holy mackerel, look at that. Look at this. Look at that. 
Also, as a scout, I went to about a half a dozen of John Cheney's practices at Temple at 5.30 in the morning. I would be in a hotel the night before in Philly. I'd be walking the streets in South Philly at four, five o'clock in the morning. Sounds a little talk. dangerous, coach. Sounds you know, a little dangerous. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. And I'm just looking around. But I would walk into that gym. He, the t- practice started at 530. He didn't get there till six. His assistants ran the first half hour. And I'm watching the right way for players to warm up in, before practice. I mean, I never, I'm, I'm watching, I'm saying, you know, we, we started practice at five o'clock. My guys got on the court at five to five, you know, when I was in college and we started practice. Well, for a half hour, this assistant coach had the guards down here. This guy had the forwards over here. That's the first half hour before Cheney walked so in. Who, who, who would you say, who's your, your greatest coaching influence? Um, I became, uh, probably Patino, uh, who came and, and, and spoke at the Kutcher Sports Academy camp. And then I sent, oh, by the way, I left out that I coached high school two years on Staten Island, Pottenville High School, which is known for their, all their sports except basketball. It's in the South Shore of Staten Island, Irish, Italian, amazing baseball, Amazing football, amazing girl sports, no basketball back then. I mean, it was hard. hard. And I went over there because my daughters were students there. And a kid walked in my junior year, a transfer from Cardinal Hayes, six foot 10, never played basketball before in his life. Never played basketball. His name was Abdul Shamsuddin. That year, Abdul started for me as a junior, along with four white baseball players. We went five and 15. Abdul averaged five points a game. You did not know he was on the court. Six, that's, 10, that's, six, ten. That, that's hard to miss. And four white guys. He didn't know he was on the court. <laughs> I mean, he had no idea what he's doing, but I saw something in him. He ran long arms. He was an athlete and he felt he fell in love with the game. And I started working him out five days a week, March, April, May. I called Howard Garfinkel, got him into the five-star camp for June. I went up there. Patino was up there scouting for, um, where was he at that time? Was he at UMass uh, then or no, Kentucky? No, at, at Providence. He was at Providence. Oh, Providence. Okay. Yeah. Rick was at Providence. The year before, Rick spoke at my ca- at the Kutcher Sports Academy. I got him to speak. All right. Uh, and um, Patino said to me, pick, he's got potential, but, you know, he's not really good enough for Providence. We left that camp end of June. We went over, we went to Kutcher Sports Academy for eight weeks. I worked him out every day. He played with my college counselors and we had some pretty good players every night. I brought him back to five star in August. One week, Patino said, I have never seen a kid improve in two months like this kid. He recruited him, Syracuse, um, uh, Villanova, Miami. And uh, with my le- my leaning, I, we sent him to Providence. I don't know if you remember, but when he was a freshman, they lost in the final four. Yeah, Billy Donovan was on that Billy, team. With Billy. Billy and I to this day are very close because I was 
up. I was almost at every Providence game. <laughs> okay, I was up there. I was still, because I was scouting for the Clippers. All right, I was scouting for the Clippers. I was getting paid. I was going up there to watch Providence Georgetown. Oh, you didn't You didn't do all this for free for 50 no, years? I got, I got a paycheck. Oh, okay. A paycheck and watch my kid play for Providence. Rick and I became friendly. All right, Billy, all right. I that summer I coached a team called the United the Staten Island Stallions in the USBL. 1986. I start Billy Donovan. I re, was my point guard. He left after 10 games because the Knicks said Rick Rick left to become the coach of the Knicks. And he wanted Billy, and Billy wound up having a cup of coffee with the Knicks. And I, I became that. really, really tight with Billy. And I've always remained close with Rick uh, and and uh, his the way he coaches, his style. Uh, I'm proud to say I know you mock me a lot and, and it's well it's well earned. A lot of people compare my style in practice and in games to Rick. And you know what? That's maybe the best compliment I can get. Yeah, and he's, he's much better than that. Yeah, and he's resurrecting uh, Iona right now. I mean, he's, I mean, that's going to be a program. Wait, 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 All right, all right. I'm not saying they're going to become the Gonzaga of New York. But guess what? If Rick stays there 10 years, which he might, watch. Right. Watch. Well, he, I think he's on record as saying he doesn't want to go anywhere else. But he's been on record saying things like that before. But that's yeah, another but he, story. But, but he's not that much younger than me. So uh, <laughs> that, that may be <laughs> a part of the equation. So right. let me ask you this, because this is this is interesting. I mean, you the years that you coached, uh, we talked about this with Ryan Terrell. Like, there are no secrets anymore. Uh, <laughs> all you got to do is open the internet, and you know you could figure out who the best, you know, fifty players. With are Coach Pickman's wife's help, he can open the internet. Yeah, that's not a yes, problem. Yes. But, I mean, you know, today there are no secrets. You know, the be- you could figure out who the best fourteen-year-olds are in the country, fifteen-year-old. Like, that's easy. I mean, how how did you see that change coming through the eighties, coming through the nineties, like? Did scouting change for you towards the end of your career? Well, I I left the league in 2010. I I went over to Heschel in 13. Between 210 and 213, I was the assistant coach at Dalton, a private school. The head coach there, it's another long story. I cut him from the United States Maccabee team back in the 90s. A Jewish guy, Teddy Frieschling, who's the AD and uh, athletic director and head basketball coach at Dalton for 20-something years now. He was a great player in, in, in Division Three college. And I was Herb Brown, Larry Brown's brother's assistant coach on the Maccabee team that went to Israel, 92, somewhere around there. And, and, and I live around the corner from Dalton. And I quit the, the Clippers. Management changed. Elgin was out. And I was Teddy's assistant for three years. And... Uh, I'll tell you the truth. I'm not a very good assistant coach. I, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine you can't just listen and, uh, you know, be spoken when spoken to. If the three years Teddy said to me, pick, I love you, but this might not work. <laughs> the door's over there, coach. <laughs> At the same time, through somebody that I walked my dog with and her son played for Heschel, I went over to Heschel. That's seven. That's Wait, eight so years it, ago. Is that dog um, get free tuition at Heschel? Oh, at that, uh, well, you know, connection? You, you know the Spires? Yeah, you know, of course Spires? you remember the name. Yeah. Well, this was Jeremy's older brother, Zach, who was a junior at Heschel, a starter on the team. And I went over there when he was a senior. But 
my point in a long roundabout way is in, in the 10 years since I've left the league, it has changed so much. I started to see it as soon as I left that like guys like me, you know, all the teams needed six or seven guys to cover the country to really do their homework on players, you know, college you need. And, and back then with Telfair coming out of high school, you know, guys, they needed a lot of guys to do the legwork, you know, and then put things together. Okay. It started to change to where now this, the teams have, I don't even think they have more than one or two scouts because every single game is on video now. Right. Everything, everything, everything is, is available. I have grants. I have my grandkids all play basketball. I watch all of their games streamed. I mean, right. from these little rinky dink gyms, I'm able to watch all their games. So the NBA, you know, not that they need to save money, but that whole scouting business has changed entirely. I'm looking at things now on the internet. They're predicting who's going to be number one, two, and three, not in this year's draft, in next year's draft. Right. Because they know so they know these kids, you know, like right. it's just, watching it's them play. The same though. Do you think you miss something like by not seeing it in person? Like there could be a, there could be somebody who's got a certain amount of athletic talent, but maybe he's not getting the red, like, you know, and you just don't get it online. Um, absolutely. Yes. But not so much from the things that you're thinking about things like when he comes off the court, how does he interact with his teammates? You don't see that on video. Um, you know, true athleticism to a point, but you know what? When they're starting, to, they're bringing these guys in. They're putting them through all these tests. They're watching enough video of their skills and whatever it is. It's li the little things uh, that you don't catch on film. You know that you know when the coach starts to you know get on him when he makes a mistake. How does he handle it? Things of that nature. I can't begin to tell you how much work NBA teams do on like talk. You know, finding out about their character, finding out about like. Their, their their work ethic finding out they 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 talk to the trainers of the teams at kentucky more than they talk to the coaches right i guess this way they really get to know them it's just it's more about it's, it's more about basketball with all the money they're investing in them they have to know Thank this you stuff very much if they're going to give this guy millions of dollars they want to know that he can you know more than that that he's a good shooter you know more than he can you know that he's a high flyer yeah they really you know back then Without all of what's going on now, you needed eyes on the court. Today, <laughs> not so much. So they didn't care about that stuff in the 80s? They didn't care. A character, who cares? You could shoot, um, you could play, that's it. You, you know what? I I really believe that's true. It's sad, but it's true. It really is. You know, they, um, you know, uh, you know, take a look. Take a look. Go back. Take a look at the first round picks. Okay. I mean, back then, I mean, 30 guys, in, well, 25 guys in the first round, three years later, half of them were gone. They were gone. They weren't in the league anymore. Right. Obviously, teams were making mistakes. Right, Coach. The, I guess the, the question that everyone, and, and I mean, for sure I need to know is, what have you been doing with COVID and no basketball, you know, no coaching? I mean... I assume you're still coaching some, finding somehow, some way. But you know, what has the past year and a half, uh, past year been been like for you as far as you know filling that void? All right, it's been a tough year. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, I retired from Staten Island 
I was teaching as an adjunct for up until two years ago at a, a couple of the different CUNY schools. I was teaching, I'm a, I'm a fitness buff. I work out every day. Uh, I was teaching fitness back in the 80s, uh, personal fitness and stuff. And uh, so I was teaching two mornings a week uh, at either Brooklyn College or John Jay College. Uh, and I hooked up at Dalton and Heschel. Uh, with COVID, the teaching went out the window. No, there's no classes to teach. And I didn't have my team. Thank God I have seven grandchildren from who range from seventh grade to college. Five of them are serious, serious basketball players. I don't know if you guys know, but I have a granddaughter who played three weeks ago, opening night of the NCAA Women's Championship she played against a team called UConn. She's wow. the starting point guard at a place called High Point University. She's five foot two. Again, I started her in the third grade, but I couldn't change her genetics. <laughs> Height runs uh, in the family. I am her grandfather, and her mother is five one. Her father is today the special teams coordinator at Rutgers. He's been my, at nine my different Nine different colleges, but she's 5'1". She was voted two years ago player of the year in the state of North Carolina. When she was a sophomore, High Point came after her. She loved the coach. She loved the school. They lived They lived in North Carolina. My, my son-in-law was at Wake Forest, and she committed. And she's been there now for two years. She, uh, she's, uh, she starts half the game. She plays about 24 minutes a game. They won their league this year. They were in the NCAAs. Wow. Um, I have not, I have not missed one of the games. ESPN Plus. I've got <laughs> uh, and thank God. And then she has a sister who's a stud sophomore in high school in New Jersey. And my other daughter has two boys that both played varsity for for uh, Ossining High School. One even with COVID, I worked them out. <laughs> just me and them or two of them. Uh, I, I watch all their games and that's gotten me through it. Really? That's gotten me through it. Did right. Think, I mean, did you think in a million years that you'd ever be coaching basketball at a Yeshiva high school? You know, that's a, thank you for that question. <laughs> um, I'm a lifer. I missed coaching all those years when everybody thought you're an NBA scout. Oh my God. You know, this guy, he throws the greatest thing going. Right. And guy, people that know me going back, coaching college when I was 22 years old and working in the NBA, like they would go, pick, you're coaching in the Yeshiva League? Well, let me tell you, we know us lifers, us teachers, the Patinos, Rick Patino does not feel any different every day coaching Iona as he did at Kentucky and Louisville and the Knicks, it's the same thing. Evan Pickman right now is as happy, and I hope as a pig in you know what, <laughs> I, found, I found a home of what true teaching and coaching is. People that really want to work hard, want to get better, give you everything they have, but they know, you know, and it's, and, and after really learning how to coach in those 25 years that I wasn't, that I didn't have my own team, all right, where I really 
learned how to coach, I am having a ball, a ball. And one of my kids, uh, this is, I hope not too many people are hearing, but I did have a couple of kids. No, we hope a lot of people are hearing, Coach. That's what we want. I, I, I had a couple of my seniors in the Central Park uh, courts last week uh, with a two-man workout. And one of them has been with me now three years, okay? He said to me, yo, pick. Uh, he's going to be a senior next year. Uh, he's, he said to me, you know, my brother, you know, this year's in the ninth grade. He's pretty good. I said, yeah, I know about your brother. He said, but, you know, everybody keeps telling him, pick, that you won't be around to coach him, that, you know, <laughs> you're an old man. <laughs> I, I looked at him. His name is Isaiah. I said, Isaiah, the scary thing is, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be around. Okay, so I have no plans. I'm having a ball. Why should I give it up? I'm having well, a ball. Let me ask you a question regarding regarding your your obviously your history, your 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 achievements are, are unbelievable and, and just what a story. But tell me about I know you the one that the championship you won with Heschel. So you, as you said, for seven years you've been a contender, a, a, a favorite, a, a little underdog, but you've always been you know right at the at the top of the division and and come playoff time. You know, no one wanted to play Heschel because they were a championship contender. So the year, I know you went probably the, a year or two before you won the championship, you had a, a season where you kind of skated through the, uh, not skated, I mean, you had good players and you great coaching. You, you were a number one seed. You got knocked out, I believe, in in the playoffs to Flatbush. Right. right? Uh, you are now, thank you for bringing up, all right, probably the hardest loss I have ever suffered in coaching. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. All the years I coached college, but the hardest loss, we were 21-1, okay? Gabriel Leifer, who I brought with me, you know, I coached the Maccabea team in Chile. Elliot Steinmetz hired, gave me the job five years ago. I brought the team to Chile. I had Steinmetz, uh, I, I had Gabriel, a couple of my kids, and came really close with Gabriel. Uh, and that year, they were undefeated. We were undefeated. All the talk was Heschel, DRS in the championship. Yeah, Heschel, we, we were DRS. doing that championship. We had it penciled in. We were No, that was the best team I've had at Heschel. I mean, it was four great guards and a six-foot-one-inch kid that couldn't play a lick, but he just did everything right, all right? And Flatbush came into Heschel. We lost by two. It, I, I'm t to this day. That's one game, all the games I've coached, one of the hardest. Okay, so, so first of all, tell us about how, how was that locker room? Like, how was that, you know, going into that locker you room? No, know it's interesting about this. Two days later, we were playing in the, um, in the, uh, what do you call it, up at YU? Sarachek. Sarachek. Two, this is Wednesday night, Friday morning, we're playing in, in the Sarachek against. Probably the best thing ever to happen to you. Well, my kids, it was. It was now the team that won it two years later, that team two years ago. Yeah, might sure. have been might have been the least talented team I've had in seven years. Wow. We so were a we were a when we left Saturn, we left we were bad. We weren't good. Well, I don't know if you remember. We yeah, of course three. you remember. No, no, you, you you were you were good, but you you I mean no, we really weren't we, we, we left Saturn, a broken team. Great kids. Rick, Ricky, Ricky Sutton was a junior. Okay. I had a couple of really good senior leadership, great quality kids. We went up to Toronto to play in their tournament uh, in Toronto. We 
won it beating an Israeli team of men. They said they were, you know, they said they were 18 and under. Nobody checked birth certificates. Oh my God. I mean, Sutton start really started to take over. We came home middle of January, middle of January. We won like four or five in a row, uh, struggling, but we won. And then that, that was one of the only years that we had to play a playing game. Oh, but we get a, we've been getting buys coming in first or second, but we came in third. So I forgot who we beat in the opening round. I, I think MTA, we're losing at the half. We win the game close. The next game, we're losing at the half. We win the game close. We go to Frisch, who blew us out in December. And we just play an amazing game. Beat them by eight or nine. And now, if you remember the championship game, you know, I mean... Uh, oh, I, I, I have questions for you, yes. Mog and David was so much better than us, it's ridiculous. They were we the defending were they defending champions, right? Defending champs. Ike and I have really become friendly. And we hung, hung, hung. And then on a crazy play at the hold end... Wait, hold up, coach. Before we get to the play, so I, I'm going to just paint the picture. I believe you're down by one, about five point... We'll call 5.7 seconds to go. Down two. Down, down two. Oh, down two, right. I'm we sorry. Were down, we, we were down five, and one of my kids hit a three to bring us to two. We fouled. They missed both free throws. We got the ball now. Shot and missed. Ball went out of bounds. Five seconds to go. Down two. Right. So down two. Timeout's called. So now I, I remember the play, and we're gonna you're going to take us through it. Is this a play that you drew up, or did, is it one of those great plays that just happened because you know great we drive, players take over? We, we have three options on our sideline out of bounds. The play is what's called up, where the guy out of bounds fakes it to the guy cutting to the corner. We clear out the entire opposite side. Our postman runs to the elbow. We throw him a little lob, and the guy who throws him the lob comes off him for a handoff going to the complete free side. Now, here's the thing. You watch it. I've watched it a hundred times. <laughs> it worked. Ricky put up a lefty layup. One second went in. He goes to the foul line and makes it. Here's the thing. The kid that ran, okay, I almost, I almost threw him off the team as a junior. Okay, Jake Bora, he's now a student at Indiana, and he's got an app out that he's going to be a billionaire. Okay, he's, he once wanted me to invest in the app. But Jake Bora is supposed to catch the ball and just hand it to Ricky. He flipped it to Ricky. Like he a flipped ladder. it. The ball should have been batted away. But Ricky just grabbed it. But, you know, the execution really wasn't there. The final result was beautiful. But Jake... <laughs> Isn't supposed to flip him the ball as he's running. It's supposed to just take it, you know, take it off your you head. Probably wanted to flip him something else after he did that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then he he gets fouled. He hits the shot on a crazy lefty, you know, falling away from the basket layup. Yeah. And yeah. then did you did you know he was hitting that foul shot? Oh yeah. And now, yeah. now by the way, you know you know why I knew he was hitting the foul shot. Oh, because he missed it in Saturn that when he was in the, sophomore the year before. The year before, against my against Mike and David, right? Ty scored no time on the clock. Ricky missed both free throws, and we lost in overtime. 
Right. Remember um, that, and that team, team, by the way, that team was a better team. Rick, when Ricky, Ricky was one, I play when I have a sophomore who I know has potential to be a good junior and an excellent senior. I will work my, you know what off to coach them, put them on the varsity, coach them like everyone else. And usually make their parents understand and them understand that they're not going to play that many minutes. Right. It's a process. He was one of the few softs that played as a soft. Now, you know, my kid from last year, uh, uh, Ben Polliner. Oh yeah. The lefty shooter. Number 22. Correct. All right. All right. All right. He, by the way, he would have been senior this year. Right. He'd be the best player in the league. He's the one who, he looks like Prince Henry or Harry, right? Well, you know how many minutes he played as a sophomore? I mean, I can name it on, you know, maybe he, he never played as a soft, but last year he's a pretty good junior. So how do you get them to make that commitment? I mean, that's it's, a, that's a hard thing for someone who's right. 15 years old or so. That's right. That's right. And you hear, and here's the problem. It's one of my beefs. And I always have two or three that my, I'm, my, they're not playing on the JV. Don't get me wrong. I have a good JV coach, but they don't practice as often as us. They don't work the way we work. It's a different setup. Now, in the Yeshiva League, winning the JV championship is big. It's important to almost all the schools. At For Heschel, sure. it is unimportant. And, and I've and does your JV point. coach does your JV coach buy into that when you tell him, "Hey, I'm taking your three best players because and they're not going to play something." Not well, play. They, guess what? My answer is yes right now. But he's my fifth JV coach in seven years. <laughs> Oh, that's and, and by the way, one of those so years is COVID, so there's no so coach. Your answer is yes. We don't know what his answer is. Right. Okay. Now, now, by the way, our JV basically makes the playoffs every year, but they're not good. Okay. But I would say if I had the last five years, my sophs playing JV, we'd be battling for the championship, JV championship. This is my philosophy. Maybe I'm wrong, but and it's different than the Yeshiva League. The purpose. It's, a, it's actually JV, interesting that you even. Uh, with that, with that small school, I mean, would right. you, there'd be a world where you wouldn't even have one. Hey, out of the hundred, out of hundred and forty boys in the high school, hundred and forty, my varsity and JV is thirty kids. Out of hundred and forty, all right. Now, the J, my philosophy is JV. All right, why I really work with those kids a lot in the summer and whatever. It's the purpose is to prepare the three or four better players, sometimes one or two better players to be good varsity players. I want the coach to be drilling them. I want them doing fundamentals, footwork, you name it. And whether they win or lose the game doesn't matter. That's my philosophy. So if I, if a sophomore is going to be doing that with the JV twice a week, and he's going to be with me three times. And, and honestly, yeah, it's me, not my JV coach. It's going to get to know me, all right? I just feel more confident that the following two years. Now, I've had some really good uh, – Elon Orgel. Elon Orgel won the MVP at Satrum when he was a junior, all right? He was, he, oh, strong, strong kid, number now, but, 20. Okay, Elon. Now, Elon – You could thank soft, Ari for that. Elon was a soft on the team that lost that lost to, um, uh, to, to uh, Flatbush. Right. He was a soft. He played about 15 minutes a game off the bench as a soft. I wasn't going to let him waste a year on the JV as a soft. That would have been crazy. Now, my two, 
my captains that year. I don't know if you remember. Uh, ben, ben and Aaron, um, Ben and Aaron, the brothers. Uh, you would, you would remember. Not, not uh, the Sutton brothers. Who? Uh, no. no um, oh, Spear, not Spear. Uh, Brandeis. Ben and Aaron Brandeis. Aaron was a lefty guard, point guard. Ben was his brother. That right. was the team that lost to Flatbush. Elon was a sophomore. To this day, when I see the Brandeises, they don't let me forget that I should have been playing Elon a lot more than the senior that I was playing. Coach, you blew it. You know, <laughs> they, they blame me for losing that game. Elon should have been in there against Flatbush more as a soft. They don't let me forget it. Right. But well, this is important. You know, great junior and a very good senior carrying the team. He never would have been that playing sophomore JV. Forget about it. It's crazy. Right. So, I mean, you know, so, so you have so you won the championship with uh, on, on Ricky's shot, and you know, obviously for seven years of, of coaching in the Yeshiva League, give me your top five players that you've coached against. Top five players, you know, from you know, does any position doesn't yeah. matter, just the top five. Number number one is, is Gabriel. All that I coming. Mean, he, is, he hasn't been on. He hasn't not been not mentioned on one show of ours. This is our eighth episode. He's been mentioned on every show, by the way. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I you know, we're talking about my career. Yeah. Thank, all right. Thank God. I all right. I had the opportunity one to coach against him, two to coach him, and to be with him for for ten days in Chile, coach him in six games down there to go to his games at YU and have him put his arms around me. All right. And that I got to know him for, as a person. And that's why he is the player. He is, you know, they're not any better than Gabriel and, and player what he has become his last couple of years at YU. I mean, he Unbelievable. Is, we talked about it. It's amazing. He was a great player that made himself an all around great player. I mean, and, you know, I know I'm following Ryan, you know, I coached against Ryan in the Sarachek. Okay, I mean, uh, you know, and uh, we beat actually we beat them, but I watched him play three years in a row at Sarachek. You know, and now to see him now at YU and teaming up with Gabriel, I mean, it's you know those now Ryan's not in our league, but like well, we'll we'll, we'll let it go. That's fine. Uh, okay, he did coach against him. Um, it counts. It counts. You got three other spots. Me, I'm bad with names. Okay, I will help you with the names. If you give okay. us descriptions, I'll find kid, out who it is. The big kid at uh, Frisch three years ago. Uh, uh, oh, I know who you're talking about. Stepner? Stepner, thank you. Stepner. When he was a senior, wow. He was a man against boys. Yep. As a junior, he was okay. But Stepner as a senior, I mean, you know, could you know really play high-level cop, you know, high-level D3. Maybe, all right. Stepner. Uh, guards. Um, I... Uh, what's his name at um, at SAR two years ago? Uh, oh, uh, uh, what he called? Um, oh my gosh, he's on he's on YU right now. Oppenheimer, yeah, Jude Oppenheimer. Yeah. Everybody said, yeah. right? Watch what happens now when he gets his legs under him at YU. I mean, the kid is really a good player. Frisch has had some really good players. I'm trying. Oh, what am I talking about? Um, at at uh, TABC uh, with a lot of great ones. Which one? Which yes. one do you know? Yeah. Uh, a big kid or a shooter or a guard or, or forward? Well, the kid that would have been a senior this year. Oh, yes. Uh, Samet. Samet? Yeah. I mean, last year, 
I mean, we held him to 30 at their place. <laughs> I mean, I, I think held he had, him. You know, held him yeah. to 30. Uh-huh. No, no, and we got, and we prepared to stop Zevi him. Samet, yeah, great plot. Yeah, we great we player. prepared to stop him. He had eight threes. Yeah, well, you, coach, when when you come across half court and you're in your zone, you know, and you're in your uh, in your shooting range, it's hard to stop someone. So that's the he, kind of shooter he is. He made every single one of them from the left corner. Great coaching on my part that after five of them, we still we still were leaving them open in the corner, right? Yeah, he, I remember coaching a great yeah. shooter, great player. But you know what? It's you know I, I will tell you. Here's another thing: the coaches in our league, I I are many of them excellent, excellent coaches. I I, I didn't coach against guys as good as this when I was in college. Wow, those are big words. The junior college coaches I coached against, Staten Island community back in the 70s, the city university coaches that I coached against into the mid-80s, not even close. These I, are, Well, there, you got a lot of lifers, uh, not Gabe I, Lifer, but uh, lifer lifers, you know, correct. coaching in the Shiva. <laughs> and, and I got to tell you, I find it invigorating to coach against them. Joey, I mean, if a coach, Joey, and, and, and each with their own style of what they're doing, but what they're doing year after year. I mean, the kids play, the, you know, they really, if, if they have, if the league would wise up and put a shot clock in. Oh, yes. Okay, we, we've been talking about these. I think I've said that about 4,000 times. Would be, we wouldn't be talking about our players like, oh, they're at a lower level than other high schools. The game would have to speed up, and our kids would show that they can play the game at a faster level. Right. Well, Without Coach, what, your your style, I would I would say, and this is just from observing you. I could be wrong. I would say you're more uh, offensive minded, Coach. That that's where your focus is. I mean, yes, I know every coach likes to say they 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 hang their hat in their defense, but the way you advance the ball, it's almost like the Mike D'Antoni. You know, you get that ball, the Roy Williams, you, your point guard, or they just need to advance the ball. Would you say you're more an offensive coach than a defensive minded coach? Absolutely not. okay that's why you're the coach and i'm just the announcer here okay the one thing all right i'm a big believer all right defense wins championships man to man if you can't play good man you can't you can't win consistently although although avram's the three two zone proves that wrong okay and i'll tell you and 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 it's a tribute to him because they really play that's all you know and gabriel you know, like used to joke with me, like, thank God I got you picks because now I know how to play a little bit of man to man. Now I understand that I'm not just face guarding my man. Well, when you have all six, five players, you know, you can play a little. Okay. But truthfully, you must you got to defend. You have to make transition both ways, both ways, back and up. Trans, OK, back and up. The entire game of basketball is transition. Look up the word transition in the dictionary, going from one thing to another, transitioning. The whole game of basketball is transition. I'm guarding the ball, but now I'm not. What do I do? Uh, I'm denying a guy the ball, but now he's off the ball. What do I do? You know, it's changing from one job to the next. The whole game is transition. Everybody thinks it's going from defense to fast break. Well, I believe the ball, you know, we have to run every chance we get. And and even after the other team scores, we're going to bring the ball up quick. 
and we're going to look for just one of your five guys to be loafing, to be sleeping. That's all. Right, you know, get, a, get an like easy bucket. Ball, not like the guy with the ball is looking to go to the basket. That's on a bad team. The guy with the ball should be looking for one of the other four guys who's catching his guy sleeping in transition. And the last thing is you got you, right, you got to make transition, defend, make transition, and rebound. Honestly, I am not a good offensive coach, as good as I should be, and I really need work on zone offense. Rather, okay, there's a lot of zone in the Yeshiva League, a lot of right. zone defense. That's right. A lot of zone. And uh, honestly, because my team, you know, we work so hard on man-to-man defense, you know, we hardly, you know, and we don't play zone very little. All right, we'll show it to you or whatever. But because of that, we don't practice that much against right. zones. Uh, the, the one practice we have again before we play DRS, it's not enough. It's not enough, a two-hour practice getting ready for his zone. You know, you, you really need more. And right. You need you need I, to see it and play against it. I spend really. more, most of my time defense, transition, and rebounding. Right. And, well, yeah. that's uh, so. See, it shows you what I know. But no, it just you know, Jay and I have, have no, seen. No, but, 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 but I'll tell you what. Thank you. If you think my teams look pretty good on offense, <laughs> oh for then, sure. Hey, I'll buy, I'll buy that. That's, yeah. That's no, th- there's there's two things that stand out about you. A, I mean. A, everyone knows the intensity is is unmatched, unparalleled. It's just unbelievable to watch you on the sideline. You know, we always said we want to pick cam on your on your head to see how many you know laps, you know miles you're going. But it's it's not just the intensity. And, and Jay and I have have talked about this on air during games. It's the respect that your players have when you call a timeout. Every one of these players. You could be yelling, teaching. You know, it's all teaching. It's not, you know, no, no berating. It's really a teaching moment. But they're all Thank looking you. at you right in the eye, and they're listening. You know, maybe out of fear, maybe because they don't want to have anything other other than to you know show that. But you know, how do you get that level of, of discipline from the kids? You know, that's got to be within them also. But to really, you know, to not turn out and say, "What am I doing? I don't want this." You know, they they thrive well, in that moment. I'll tell you, it's real simple. I work on it every day in practice. I work on it. If 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 I call the team together, you know, mid-court, uh, after they've been screwing up in practice, I pull them together. And I start talking to them. And, and one of the guys over there has turned around. You know, I'll, go, I'll say to him, yo, Joey, what are you doing? I'm over here. I want you to look at me, Joe. You know, I mean, these the discipline that it takes to play this game is what I'd like to think they're learning that they're going to carry over to their life. You know, I'll tell you the truth. I'm a teacher. Um, I teach a fitness class in a classroom. All right. It's, it's not just working out. All right. They, they got to understand the difference between aerobic and anaerobic. I'm in a classroom. If my students at Brooklyn College, John Jay College of Staten Island, I've been fortunate to be mostly college. If they're not, if they, they fall asleep, I wake them up. I, I, I don't, you can't sleep in my class. Uh, if they're on their cell phone, I throw them out. So that discipline is, is, is part of your, it's part of you. Uh, you know, I'd like, you know, you say I'm a ho- or whatever it is. I think I'm trying to help them, you know, to become better students. You know? Better people, right? You know, Absolutely. You know, how the hell are you going to learn what I have on the board about aerobic and anaerobic when you're on your cell phone? Now, most teachers, no, I'm sorry. Many teachers say the hell with him, and they ignore it. I can't ignore it. 
I can't ignore it. It's my job uh, to teach them subject matter, how to shoot, how to pass, how to dribble, how to know the difference between aerobic and anaerobic. Okay, that's part of my job. The other part of my job is to teach them how to become better people, how, how to look at somebody when they're talking, how to listen, how to listen, right? focus. And basketball, honestly, it sounds trite. It's no different than teaching in a classroom. It's the same thing. You no, know, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, in that, in, in coach, you know, we, we could probably go on, like you said, for three days and keep talking about, you but, know, and not, not talking learning. I mean, this is just really, it's informative to us and it's obviously our audience, but it, it's been amazing to kind of just get to know you from the sidelines, you know, a, you know, a little bit and see, obviously we're in awe of your coaching ability and your, and your records, but, and your achievements, but the kind of person you are, you can you can almost feel the energy just you know here in this interview, and and your players must you know leave you and realize that they have probably had their best three four years however long they were with you to know that they've played for a coach who cares deeply and really like you said prepares them for life. So you know we we thank you so much for coming on the show, and it's uh you know we're we're, we're excited to have our audience you know get a little more impersonal. Um, behind the scenes with Coach Pickman. And if there's anything you want to say in closing, you know, the floor well, is yours. I, I, I can't thank you enough for those kind words. They mean a lot to me. They really do. Um, uh, uh, my question to you is, uh, do you think you're going to be able to, like, handle me in the Saturn for the next 20 years? You know, of like, course, of course. Okay, I mean, so, because, we, we may not have the energy to continue, <laughs> but if you're there, we'll we'll be there. There's no no question about it. Okay. I mean, it's so, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. It's an honor, and, and uh, like you said, you're, you're you're it's a it's just great to see you on the sidelines, and you know the the passion and the uh, the energy is is unmatched. I mean, Jay, is there anything else that we look forward to more than a Coach Pickman game? Absolutely not, <laughs> gentlemen. It's been my pleasure, really, and uh, uh, actually, supposedly, we're going to be having a mi mini season coming up. You know. Oh yeah, I heard that they're trying to have. I, you know, I may have my first practice supposedly at the end of this week, early next week, outdoors, and supposedly my AD is talking about how the league is going to try to have like six, seven, eight games, and then some kind of like a little playoff, starting off with the games outdoors. And you know what? That would be wonderful. It the would kids, really, the kids know, deserve it. The, after the kids, been especially the seniors. The seniors. I know my four seniors are like biting at the bit and just for them. And yet my four seniors are no different than the four or five seniors on the other 20 teams. And and you magnify that and it, it just tells you how devastating this has been for everybody. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back out there and uh, uh, at Saturn giving you guys, you know, a bit of a rough time if I can. Absolutely. We have it no other way. We love it. Thank you, guys. Thank All right. You, thanks, Coach. Be well, and uh, thanks again for coming on the show. We appreciate my, it. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. You got it. Oh, and tell Ryan that, like, I followed him, okay, because I know Ryan. I, I followed him, and I almost lived up to his setting the standard, okay? Uh, <laughs> Coach Ryan Coleman, All right, we'll let him know. <laughs> thanks, Coach. You were great. Yeah. Uh, hey, dummy. I think he was talking about uh, Ryan Terrell, the, the actual Ryan that he followed. Right, and, well, and I know we've only had eight episodes and two Ryans. So we we've had two Ryans. Every episode is mentioned Gabriel Leifer, who's coming to an episode near you, obviously. 
But um, yeah, I, I realized that after we let Coach go. <laughs> I think, says. listen, if this one's eight, I think we have to have uh, Gabe Leifer as 10. I, like, you know, it's like an anniversary episode, you know. Right. It's, it's a big number, double digits. Gabe, you've been mentioned by every by every episode he's been mentioned. Every and, episode. And what's funny is I know that I know that Ryan Terrell said that he watches every episode. Gabe probably doesn't watch it. No, no, no. It's not, it's not for him. No, he's too busy, you know, taking over the world, you know, just doing yeah, doing some mitzvah or something. I mean, now, Ari, uh, I don't think I've said anything and in, in, since I said hello. Uh, to Coach Big. He, he by the way, need, by the I felt like I was on vacation. I was sitting back here. He doesn't. Tanning. He doesn't need much. Uh, he doesn't need much to get going. No, no. That was like you know what. I'm like, just wake us up when we need. I mean, to t- to ask you a question. But he was wow. What what a, the history of the game? You know, That's what I, that was. And you know it's funny. I, uh, first of all, let's just say I I had no I, like you know. We've seen uh, we've seen Coach Pickman at Saturn and whatever. I had no idea the guy worked in the NBA for twenty five no, well, years. That's like, what, no, our PR department is the best. No, I mean, it's uh, listen, and it's so interesting because that's that's a theme that you and I hit on all the time. It's kind of like the sort of the merging of Jewish basketball with uh, real basketball, and and um, you know it's and he makes a good point. I mean, a lot of the coaches in the Yeshiva League have been coaching for twenty years. Um, you know they're they're basketball lifers yeah, it, uh, it, too. They're doing it because they love it. It's like you said, it's teaching. I mean, that's what it's about. I mean, look, your players are changing every year. I mean, it's not like you're ever having the same more than two, sometimes three years. And Aria, is that like a, when you look at coach? Is that like a like a you know life goal for you? Like to, you know be in shape, be working out at yeah. Know, I mean, Coach 70s. Pickman is he's he's pretty much a role model. He's on my Mount Rushmore. Now I think you understand why he paces so much. The guy's got so much energy. Uh-huh. He's, 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 oh my gosh! But it, it's interesting. Laps. Right, but we always said like the intensity that he brings. It you see it on his players. I mean, they just they 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 mirror it. They show it, and they they respect it. But what a history! Can you imagine? Like, and I guess that's that's also why the Heschel players are so so good. They get to practice with him, learn from him, and really you know have that energy, which is which is just. And, unbelievable. and by the way, I have something in common with with Co- I can't remember anybody's name either. Like nobody's name. He just gave but me a way, little description. But the, and way I was, he des- but the way he described the you know the Sutton play and then the ball was flipped and it wasn't handed right. off. But like I'm this. I have the same thing. Like I'll play softball. And I I can remember every pitch and like. But I mean, ask me uh, my neighbor's name. I I can't tell you. Right. He the this, the details of the important stuff. I mean, you got to remember. You do know the yeah, name of your names, three children, yeah. right? Who needs it? What? You know the names of your three children. I do. I do. Okay. I, and that's embarrassingly, uh, you know the name of every Yeshiva player that's played in the last 15 years. That's, that's and, and usually the number, number as well. But yeah. 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 That's, that's our great PR department. You know, they do all the research. No, you but that was. You're sitting there. You think you're sitting there with like a laptop and you're able to look these things. No, no, no. No, no. It's <laughs> right, just right. top of your head. 2012, two minutes left in the game. Right. Just got it. Yeah, but that no, was the that most was fun thing when he's like, "All right, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just tell you what hair color the guy has, and you <laughs> right. tell me who it is." You're like, "I got." You. I think he wore Nike sneakers, and uh, <laughs> he had the Kobe four. Went to actually. some school in Jersey. Some school yeah. in Jersey. Yeah, the yeah, charades four. with Coach with Coach Pickman and Ari Wick is perfect. Yeah, you but, didn't uh, need much when he said uh, TABC. You're like, uh, "Yeah, got it." <laughs> Got it exactly. Oh, this is wow. why we're doing this podcast because without without me, there'd be no knowledge of the game. Without you, there'd be no show because we wouldn't be able to produce it. So, well, hey, listen, and you know, with Coach Pickman, you didn't need me to talk. That's, that's no, sure. he he was great, and and just you know, let's let's just basically wrap up by thanking him again, and also telling you about our big sponsor, the new newest sponsor to the show. Yeah, uh, uh, Trio. Trio, unbelievable. Uh, if you didn't catch it in the beginning, you probably did. But as a reminder. Make sure to mention Yeshiva League Pass or the tip-off or both. Um, Trio.academy? Trio.academy. I, I, I'm not even going to bother explaining it. Look it up online. It's really it's a new alternative 
uh, to kind of get through college. You know, if you're somebody get that wants to go to Israel, you want to go to Israel for a couple of years, um, or you're just looking to kind of expedite, not looking to pay 200 grand for college. Uh, really cool program that they got going. You could expedite your four-year degree. You can go and get a master's. You can go on and not. Uh, check them out, trio.academy. Make sure to mention us to get some money off uh, the Lions Den. The Lions yeah, Den. You know, it's, the uh, Lions Den, they're great. Ballers Basketball Academy is right, great. I think, just... I, think, uh, I think you should have Coach Pickman as like a like a he, you know a guest uh, instructor. Oh, yeah, Hall of Den. Fame coach. He's coming, of course. He, coach uh, Pickman he really seems there. like he'd... Uh, He'd be great with those first graders. I'm sure they would love that uh, that intensity <laughs> and yelling. <laughs> no, nah, he'd be great. But yeah, we again, thank you to uh, Trio.Academy. Uh, look them up. They are our, our, our big-time sponsor of ours. And, and you mentioned Yeshiva League Pass, the tip-off, and uh, you'll get uh, some Do money it. off of tuition. Woo! I got I to gotta, I gotta take that all in. I, I, yeah. need, I need a couple minutes. That was that was. Great. I said, "Oh, how's Coach going to do this? You know, he's not all excitable like at a bet. No, 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 no. Intensity was there, man. This yeah. guy, woo! He's in, he's intense brushing his teeth. I don't think oh, they're, they're, he changed. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need a good hour. I think I gotta go ice after. I gotta go get the <laughs> ice on. <laughs> so we we are out. That was episode number eight. You can, there it is. Wow, he got it on the first try. Right. Just be careful which fingers you're putting up, which fingers know. you're not right, putting yeah. up. Be very That's careful. A little confusing. There. All right. Until next time, we, me and this guy, we're out of here. See ya. <laughs>